I'm Deidre. I'm Chelsea. And we're giving you a million murders. Okay. Hello, everybody. Hello. We hope that you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Yes. And got overstuffed with some good food. Yes, definitely. So, I, as you know, the shocking news stories that I find are always about a month behind, but I found some from October and November that I'm going to share. So... Our first story comes from Las Vegas. In 1980, Sandra DeFelice, a 25-year-old woman originally from Idaho, was brutally raped and murdered in the home she shared with a roommate on December 26, 1980. So the day after Christmas. Gotcha. Yeah. It's sad. It is sad. At the time of the murder, she had a three-year-old daughter... Luckily, she was staying with her grandparents the night of her mother's murder. Yeah, no, it's terrible. Like, luckily she was there because who knows what would have happened to her. Exactly. Sometimes people will leave children and sometimes they won't. Sometimes they won't. Yeah. So um, her case got cold, but her daughter asked authorities to review her mother's case last year to see if there were any updates. After the police and the DNA lab looked at the case again... They realized they were able to determine there was additional evidence that could be submitted for new DNA technology. So the DNA from her fingernails led investigators to Paul Nuttall. Nuttall had previously been a person of interest at the time of Sandra's murder, and his fingerprints were even found in Sandra's house. So later, the police found out that Nuttall knew Sandra's roommate. So that's why they were there, because when you first read this, you're like, yeah, my face was like, I know. I was like, (laughs) what? Because that was my face when I read it, too. I was like, how did they not know that he did this if his fingerprints are in the house? Right. You know, but it's because he knew the roommate. Um, So because they thought that he also knew Sandra, but he didn't like come to find out he didn't. He didn't know Sandra, but he knew the roommate. Wouldn't that be terrible? Like if you. Your roommate's if, friend comes over, and then they're like, oh, I'm going to kill her. Yeah, and like, you're the friend yeah. of the guy that done it. Yeah. And they didn't know her, but because of you, they knew her. Yeah. Like, I'd feel bad. Like, uh, yeah. I'm not saying it's her fault, but. Right, because of course it's not. I just not, couldn't imagine, like, how she feels no. or felt. Yeah, knowing that, like, she accidentally brought somebody that she already knew who seemed safe into Mm -hmm. her home and then he went and killed her roommate it's awful and i'm sure was her friend yeah so it's a whole thing so yeah so he knew her roommate uh paul nuttall was living in las vegas like still living in the las vegas area Mm -hmm. was arrested in october on charges of murder sexual assault and burglary without bail Uh, The police notified Sandra's daughter that her mother's killer had been arrested. And his court date is scheduled for November 23rd, which was a couple of days ago as Mm -hmm. we were recording this. And I kept trying to find something 
out, but I think it's too small for it yeah. to be breaking news, so it's probably not going to come out yet. It may be out now, now when this airs, mm-hmm. but whenever I researched it, I don't even remember if the 23rd had happened yet. It was on the 23rd. Oh. I did this story on the 23rd, tried to find something, couldn't find anything. Isn't that crazy how you done it on the 23rd and that was the actual? Yeah. I said, <gasps> I was like, is there anything out there? Oh, oh my gosh, that's today. <laughs> yeah. So, but there wasn't anything, unfortunately. Um, so the Vegas Metropolitan Police are now looking for more people who could have been other victims from Nuttall's past. Mm. They believe Sandra was his first, wasn't his first or last victim. And they're asking that people come forward. Um, the department released more photos of Paul over the years to help assist possible victims in recollecting their incidents involving him. So, anyone who may have been assaulted by Paul Nuttall is asked to contact the LVMPD, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, Homicide and Sex Crimes Bureau at 702-828-3421. People who wish to remain anonymous can call Crime Stoppers at 702-385-5555 or by submitting a tip online to Crime Stoppers of Nevada or Nevada. But I think they say Nevada. I I think they're Nevada. We say Nevada, but they say Nevada. But say I'm pretty sure that's the correct way because I say Nevada. I can't. <laughs> it's not. It's just the way people say things in different places. Yeah. I got friends in low places. I can't. Okay, so story number two. A woman who has remained unidentified for 34 years. Wow. Has, I know. I love finding these because I'm like, yes, now let's figure out what happened. Um, has finally been identified. Nora Alia Castillo's remains were found by a farmer in Baca County, Colorado, on his property southwest of Springfield, Colorado. Mm. Yeah. Deputies from the sheriff's office and the Baca County coroner believed her remains had been on the property for one to three years at the time she was found. So that so she was... she was moved. Mm-hmm. So she was moved? Maybe. We don't know for sure. We just know. So, well, I mean, she was missing for 35 years, wasn't she? She remained unidentified for 34 years. Oh, unidentified. Years. Lord. So, 34 years, she was unidentified, but she was found one to three years after she had been missing. Dead. Dead. Yeah. So, the Baca County coroner believed there were, her remains had been on the property for one to three years at the time she was found. So, after searching the area, this happened in June of 1988. So June 1988, farmer goes out to his property, finds this body mm-hmm. on his property at his farm. And he calls them and they say, she's been here for one to three years. And he didn't know it. So, I mean, she could have been dumped there or the attack could have happened out there. You know, we just don't know. But more than likely, she was dumped there. But she had been there for one to three years which is insane to me to think about that like you know you're a farmer you've he got never all this found land before right i mean you've got all this land though i mean who knows how big this farm is you know and he just found her one day after searching the area for days back in june of 1988 they couldn't find anything to identify nora how she ended up in the field or how she died over the years, investigators had dental impressions made and submitted her dental records to the National Crime Information Center. 
An anthropological study was completed to check for something that could identify her remains. They took DNA samples and submitted them for analysis and reconstructed her face to get an idea of what she may have looked like. So they're like trying to, you know, Mm -hmm. do all these things, trying to see if there's anything they can figure out, you know. And the police eventually buried her as Jane Doe in the Springfield Cemetery. So it just wasn't leading anywhere. They couldn't figure anything out. So Nora was originally from McAllen, Texas, and wasn't formally reported missing until 1996. So she... Eight years later? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But the person who... Like, oh, I I ain't seen her in eight years. Yeah. Well, and we don't really know much about that part either, because the person who reported her disappearance told authorities she had technically been missing since 86 or 87. So, like, they weren't even sure. But the person who reported her missing did know that her last known contact was with someone from a collect call that came from Colorado. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if they thought, I don't know who this person, we don't know who the person is. So, we don't know if it's a family member, if it's a friend Mm -hmm. that ended up moving away. Because you lose touch with people. And maybe they were like, wait a minute, no one's seen her? Like, we need to report her missing. Because, you know, I don't know. So, on December 12th, 2001, Nora's remains were exhumed to obtain new DNA samples to test. On October 6th of this year, of this year, of this year, of this year, word was received that a potential family member had matched the DNA submitted to the McAllen Police Department from someone who had been looking for Nora. With this, they were able to determine that the remains did in fact belong to Nora and her next of kin was notified where she was buried. Authorities still aren't sure why Nora was in Colorado or what caused her death at this time. But the department posted the update on their Facebook, writing, It is our hope that anyone with information about this case will see this release and contact law enforcement. If you have any information about Nora Alia Castillo or this case, please contact the Baca County Sheriff's Office at 719-523-4511 or the McAllen, Texas Police Department at 956 681 The Baca County Sheriff's Office will continue to investigate this case as a potential homicide. Yeah. So if you're out there and you know what happened to Nora Castillo, call. Okay. So, okay. So story number three starts on August 23rd, 1971. A 21-month-old went missing from Fort Worth, Texas, Mm -hmm. named Melissa Highsmith. I feel like a lot of things happen in Texas. I do too. Like everything we've covered today Texas has some kind of Texas relation, hmm. except maybe my first story. Yeah, because the first story was Vegas. She was living in Vegas, but was from Idaho. But Nora was from McAllen. Mm-hmm. And now Melissa Highsmith is from Fort Worth originally. Fort Worth, Texas. Yes. So her mother had just moved to the area with Melissa and her brother Jeff when she placed a local newspaper ad requesting the help of a babysitter. She was working at a restaurant in town and was a single mother. A woman answered the ad and agreed to meet her at the restaurant but never showed up. 
So she was like, okay, well, all right. Well, then the babysitter later called saying she really wanted the job and had a nice big backyard and cared for other children in the community as well. So Melissa's mother gave her the job and the woman picked Melissa up from her mother's apartment where her roommate had been watching Melissa Mm -hmm. while her mom was at work. After the babysitter picked her up, she was never seen again. Ratchet. Uh-uh. I mean, just like still missing. What year was this? It's been 51 years Dang. since Melissa Highsmith was taken from her family, but the family has hope they're closer to getting answers. So, yeah, this happened in uh, 1971. And she was not even two years old. She was a little. Could you imagine shy. listening to a podcast that tells this story and like it's you the whole time yeah and just not knowing it Mm-mm. i'm floored i mean that's how well, i mean that's how unsolved mysteries would be that's crazy yeah that's sad i know well and the thing is is that like well it's like baby holly baby holly yeah baby holly. had a whole fantastic life and didn't even know that her parents had been brutally murdered and she was kidnapped and dropped off at a church. And I keep looking for updates on that, y'all. They're just not really telling much. She did get to finally meet her family. Did she? That's good. Yeah, like her family in Florida. But no clues. I mean, what I said about that cult yeah. that that guy thinks about, that's all that's been said about that. Nothing else has been said about like solving Baby Holly's parents' murders. Yeah, I think they did it. That I can see. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that... That cult that was listed was a big part of it. But who who knows who that was who did that? Yeah. I mean, the cult, you know, it was like two or three people in that entire cult that did that. And they're nomads. So they could be anywhere at this point. Like, there's mm-hmm. no, you know, so hopefully they do find justice for baby Holly's parents. They could be sitting right next to you right now. Yeah. It ain't me. Yeah. No. You never know. I don't know. Listen to your podcast with headphones because if you're in the room with somebody who's done something, <laughs> oh, like, oh, I was listening. This is, I'm sorry. This is off topic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I was watching Unsolved Mysteries the other day and um, it was me in Houston. We were watching Unsolved Mysteries at my house um, after Lauren's reception. And there was a guy on there and Unsolved Mysteries was on TV and they were airing his episode and he was with his girlfriend and so he like distracted her and was like, oh, hey, will you make me some sandwiches? I'm, I've got to go take care of my mom. Like she's really sick and da, 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 da. And he like had her make him sandwiches to like keep her out of the TV, like out of the living room Why from watching TV. It? Oh, from watching TV. Gotcha. Yeah. Because she was like about to go in there. He was like, oh, and then he sees that he's on, uh, you know, Unsolved Mysteries. And so he packed up and left. And. The girlfriend was like, yeah, he just left and never came back. And they like lived together and everything. But he had already like killed his ex-wife or his wife or something. And then he just like found this woman was dating her. And then Unsolved Mysteries was on the case. And he was like, oh, gotta go. And so he was like, make me some sandwiches. Well, she got lucky. Yeah, she got lucky. Because I'm like, I mean, you know, I don't know. It was crazy. Because there's no telling what would have happened if she was like... Yeah. If he witnessed her seeing him on TV. Yeah. Like he may have just killed her. Yeah. But it's weird that he like distracted her. Yeah. And not just like, like she didn't see it on the TV, but he saw himself 
and was like, Nah, bruh. Might yeah. be some sandwiches. Yeah. She would have been like, why'd you change it off Unsolved Mysteries? I was listening to that. And he's <laughs> like, I gotta go. Um, but anyway, okay, so back to this. Yeah, it's been 51 years since Melissa Highsmith was taken from her family. But they've got hope that they're getting close to answers. So she has an age-progressed photo and her information posted on the website for missing and exploited children. And they've also posted it in the news. In September, an anonymous tipper mentioned someone that resembles Melissa is in Charleston, South Carolina. So, David, if you see this woman, hello. Like, I'm going to need y'all to be on the lookout, okay? So, um, yeah, somebody was like, there's a woman down here in Charleston who looks just like Melissa. And... Melissa's brother Jeff said, we feel like we're stepping in the right direction. We're moving closer to finding out where she is and what's going on. On November 6th, the Highsmith family held a celebration of life for Melissa's life at the local police station not far from where she was kidnapped. Hmm. Yeah. So is his, her mom still living? I don't think so. Mm. I mean, they really didn't say anything about her in the article yeah. at all. I was like... So she's probably not then, more than likely, because she'd be in, surely she'd be, you know, involved, like, publicly. And she may not have wanted to give a quote or something, because, I mean, I'm sure, I hope no one's shaming her, because it was the 70s, and it was a totally different time. People put ads out for anything and everything. Yeah, help for anything. And the woman, but there was something... I read that didn't get put in here, but it was um, about how the roommate that was there with the child mm-hmm. stopped kind of answering questions back in 2019. Like she just kind of hasn't given them any more information about it. And it's really weird. I feel like they didn't, they couldn't find her. And then I feel like Jeff caught up with her. And they talked at a diner about it. And then that was like the last time she's ever really came forward with any information. But she mentioned that she was wearing like a hat, like this whole get up. The -hmm. woman was back in the 70s in, you know, Texas in August where like, how are you not having a heat stroke? Because it's summer in Texas. Yeah. If you know, you know. Um, But yeah. I don't know. So hopefully she's alive and well and everything's great. And she's just living her life unbeknownst to her that, you know, she was kidnapped. And then she has double family. And it's, you know, obviously something she's going to work through. But I'm hoping that, you know, she's alive and well in South Carolina. So And had a good life. Right. And had a... Even though... Yeah. She was kidnapped. Yeah, it's just terrible, but hopefully Melissa is out there. Okay, y'all, so this is a new update. Um, The story I just talked about with Melissa Highsmith, she has been found. Um, It was a DNA test that ended up leading her to her family. Somebody in her family said it wasn't any police involvement or podcasts. It was literally a DNA match. They had private investigators on it, but the DNA is what eventually led her to meeting her parents 
For the first time in over five decades on Saturday, November 24th, the family did follow up on the leads in the Carolinas and it was a dead end, but it gave the national spotlight her family needed to find her. Melissa was found living in Fort Worth, Texas, the same city in which she was taken. Her kidnapper called herself Ruth Johnson when she picked up baby Melissa from her mother's roommate at the apartment they shared when she never returned. So the kidnapper had changed her name to Melanie Walden, and now they're making up for lost time getting to know one another. Melissa was also quoted saying, It's good to see what I looked like as a baby. It's overwhelming, but at the same time, it's the most wonderful feeling in the world. She has never seen pictures of her as a little baby since she was taken from her family at such a young age. Her mother, Alta, said, I just couldn't believe it. I thought I'd never see her again. Her dad, Jeff, said, They said, Dad, she's alive, and I started crying. After 51 years, it's so emotional. So the DNA test was actually from 23andMe, and it was able to connect Melissa's biological family with her children. So her children were the ones that took the 23andMe test. So when her family reached out to her on Facebook, she thought it was a scam, but her dad had texted her on Messenger and told her, you know, I've been looking for my daughter for 51 years. Melissa asked the person that raised her if she had anything to tell her, and it was then confirmed that she was baby Melissa. Melissa said that it just made it real when the person confessed to kidnapping her. She then agreed to take a DNA test, and on Thanksgiving, she was reunited with her brother and parents. Melissa's sister, Victoria, was also excited to see her sister that she was never able to grow up with. Victoria was quoted saying, I'm thankful to have her back. And Melissa said, my heart right now is just full and bursting with so much emotion. I'm just really, really happy. And she's going to change her name back to Melissa. So story number four is being called the most magical arrest. Huh. Uh-huh. October 22nd, United States Postal Inspection Service Officer Jeff Andre was enjoying Disney World with his family. So we're back at Disney again. Talking about Disney again. Uh, While visiting the Animal Kingdom, he noticed a familiar face in the crowd. A man with a cursive letter H tattooed on his neck. Jeff knew he'd ran into Quashawn Burton, a man who had been on the run from New York officials for over a year. Okay? So you're at Disney World. You're like an inspections officer. And you look up, and this guy who's been on the lam... (laughs) is in Disney World and you're in Disney World and it's y'all are from the same place that's funny okay so Jeff told the Disney World security officials and they called the Orange County Sheriff's Office the deputies from Orange County stopped Burton at a stop bus at a stop bus (laughs) at a bus stop at a bus stop outside the Animal Kingdom and asked to have a word with him the deputy told Quashon he needed to speak with him about the activities he was involved in or some of the activities mm-hmm. he was involved in. And when they tried to arrest him, he braced himself and wouldn't tell officers his real name. So he was resisting arrest a little bit. He wasn't like fighting, but mm-hmm. he was just kind of like, mm, yeah. like locking up and he would not tell them his real name. Uh, so Quashon is accused of stealing four people's identities to receive Almost $150,000 in COVID relief loans. No wonder he was at Disney World. He had money. Honey, living his best (laughs) life. He was out there like living my life like it's golden. Okay. Uh -uh. 
he had he had the he and the animal kingdom just living it up and then got caught living it up da, 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 da. draw rule right what that oh song? everybody's living yeah. it up we say <laughs> <laughs> and that draw rule yes it is lord draw rule okay so these loans these covid relief loans were meant to be used to help struggling businesses survive mm-hmm. 2020 at the height of the pandemic he used fake emails identification documents bank accounts and bank cards Mm -mm. that were in the names of others in a way that was so complicated it made it hard to even investigate the crimes like he had everything all jumbled up really well which means that he could probably do something really good in life like he could be like something really great because you made it so hard for these crimes to be solved almost but like you know anyway so upon his arrest he was fingered, which we also don't know about Quashon's life. He was fingered. He was. Is that what? I, is that as far as I got? That's what, yeah. Oh God. Um, but yeah, we also don't know Quashon's life. We don't know what kind of life he led him to crime, as well. I also want to say that I don't want to sound too judgy because people go through things and they end up doing things and everything. So anyway, upon his arrest, he was fingerprinted, and it was found out that he was in fact Quashon Burton. He was transferred to federal custody, and a judge ruled on October 27th he could be released from custody with the GPS monitor. The Postal Service tried to arrest him after he was indicted in December of last year, but he fled. Mm. Jeff, Jeff Andre, the inspector guy, Mm -hmm. was actually the person who signed the complaint against him back in 2021. So how weird is that? That is weird. Like, of course, you're going to know this person because you're the one who filed the complaint on him and was a part of the whole investigation Mm -hmm. to get it all started. And then you're in Disney World in the Animal Kingdom chilling with your family. And there he is. Like, it's like something out of a movie. It's crazy. There's also something else that happened in Disney World. Um, I forgot what it was, but Disney World's kind of been going through some stuff for a minute. So... Okay, story number five is pretty brief, but I just wanted to tell it. Cause these, so these last three are kind of like lighthearted ones. Mm-hmm. I thought we may need a little lighthearted. And I was right because, oh, Chelsea's episode is heartbreaking. Okay, so Samuel Brown, a 33-year-old, was busted after trying to rob a Fountain Valley Chase Bank two days in a row. Mm-mm. Bruh. <laughs> I don't understand why you wouldn't just go to a different bank. Why? Or <laughs> if you try face. to fake your own death, you just stay. Stay in the same in town. The same town, same house. Oh, my God. Becky. Use the same name, <laughs> same birthday. Becky from work was like, I just listened to that. I was like, is it not the craziest thing you've ever heard? I don't understand. <laughs> Please don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> aren't you supposed to be dead? The aren't you supposed to be dead is what killed me. Okay, so Brown from San Francisco left a large amount of cash after he left with a large amount of cash after he passed a note to a teller, but apparently it wasn't enough money for his liking. Mm-mm. So, so That's more than you had. Yeah, just, just leave. You got away with it for at least some time. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you know, the first 24 hours they didn't get you. So he decided to come back the next morning and rob the bank again. Mm -mm. The police arrived and arrested him without any injuries or incidents. Like, do you not think 
I mean, I almost would think that police wouldn't be casing out a bank that had just been robbed. But then again, like, you never know. Yeah. So, yeah. Arrested. Now, my last story. My last story. My last story. Uh, In New Jersey, a woman wanted for fraud was caught when she walked into a New Jersey sheriff's office and asked to be hired. Wait, what? (laughs) Cyanna Johnson was a formal postal service worker from Jersey City and was on the run for fraud in Monroe County, Pennsylvania. She applied for a security guard position at the law enforcement agency. Bruh. (laughs) Bruh. I don't understand why she would do... Like, why would you do this? (laughs) Yeah. Yep, yep. So she applied for the security guard position at the law enforcement agency and was called into the station for an interview... You know, but they'd found out they do background checks on everyone. And they're like, she's on the run. And they were like, okay. It's like bringing her for her. Didn't use an, didn't use an alias or nothing. Just, Mm. I'm Susie Q. Yeah. I want this job knowing dang well. That when they pull you up. And they go background. I don't know why. I don't know what she was thinking about. So, yeah, it's a whole thing. So she, yeah, went in for her interview and was arrested. Upon her arrest, they found two stolen credit cards in her possession as well. Why couldn't she? You should have used one of them names. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. So, which added a credit card theft charge to go with the previous fraud charge. Oh, my. She was also wanted on 10 bench warrants for failure to appear. 10? 10. To appear in court for traffic charges in Jersey City as well. Like, she's definitely not the brightest crown in the box. I don't know. I just don't understand why you would go to the police station and go to any police station and apply for a job. When, not when you're on the run. When you're on the run. I don't know. I have no clue. But those are my stories. Good. I liked them. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. So those are from October and November. Um, so we may get one for December. I don't know. I've like kind of committed to this, but kind of haven't. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> we just kind of do whatever. Yeah. We'll just see how it's going to go. So, yes. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, stories that you would like us to tell, um, of yours or recommendations, then go to our email. Email. <laughs> email us at a million murders at gmail.com. You can jump on to our Instagram at a million murders and check out the people, places, and things of the cases we cover. You can also go to our Facebook page and our Facebook group and check out our stuff on that when we post um and if you want to engage on those you can you can always start up a conversation mhm or if you have don't have an email and you can you don't have an email you can just drop a case you'd like us to cover on that it's whatever yeah whatever's easier for you mhm but we do love getting emails we do we when, do we when, do we do when, when, when we get them mhm <laughs> When we get them. So, 
That is all for today. So thank you for tuning in. And we hope you come back for a A million million more. more.